Hello, everybody. This is your friend, Kent C. Dodds, and I'm joined by my friend, Allie Spittle. Say hi, Allie. Hey. Allie is just a wonderful person. She works at Dev.2. Is that the name of the company, Dev.2? Yeah, I say Dev2, but I think that any naming is correct and fine. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And, and you're a developer advocate um, and all-around awesome person. Great person to follow on Twitter. And uh, yeah, so I'm really excited to chat today. We're, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, teaching and, and uh, the importance of that. We both have some experience in that world and uh, some interesting conversation points for sure. So before we get into that, though, uh, I think it's always fun for listeners to get to know the guests. So Ali, could you introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, whether that's technical stuff or even personal uh, things that you're personally interested in, whatever it is, I'd love to hear about it. Totally. Thank you so much. So right now, my job is that I am a software engineer and developer advocate for Dev2. I started as part of their community writing blog posts for them and have been really excited to see the community grow and get more and more people involved. And so being a part of that on both kind of sides of it as first a community member and now as an employee has been really, really cool. And I really enjoy the position because it's kind of a hybrid of things that I like. So I love writing code. I was originally a software engineer at the beginning of my career. And then I moved on to a teaching role. So I was one of the lead instructors for General Assembly, which is wow. a coding boot camp. So I was doing their web development program at that point. And then as a software engineer and developer advocate, it's kind of a perfect hybrid of those roles where I get to write code on a daily basis, but I also get to talk to people and teach in a kind of a different setting than I'm used to. But I still actually do teach part-time for the boot camp still. So I do get some of the more formal teaching in there as well. Outside of work stuff, I am really involved in the DC tech community in general, which is really, really awesome and definitely an underrated tech city. So <laughs> joining the DC tech scene. And then I also have a puppy who is the best. And so she takes a lot of my time too. Excellent. Yeah. The puppies are, are always fun. I Nobody who is listening to this can actually see this, but behind my head is a picture of my dog on the wall. Um, she's cute. cute. She's very big now. She's much bigger than that. Um, so, um, Ali, yes, let's talk about some of these things that you mentioned. So, um, you are like way into teaching. That's kind of, even as a developer advocate, you spend a lot of time, um, teaching people, I, I imagine. So what is it about teaching that is so interesting to you? Like why, why do you gravitate toward teaching? Yeah, I love teaching because it's such a challenge. I think that when I was doing just full-time software engineering, something that I noticed is that at some point you tell a computer what to do and it does it. It is really predictable. If you tell it to do the right thing, then it's going to do that right thing without failure. Humans are a lot more complex than that. You can do all the right things. You can explain something perfectly and still maybe it won't be super understandable to somebody mm. you got to come at it at different angles you got to think about balancing all these things when you're teaching code you got to be live coding in front of a classroom which is intimidating <laughs> uh, and balancing all the technology asking the right questions appealing to different learning styles and so mm. for me just all the different facets of it of working with people all day but still working with code it's kind of the perfect hybrid of my 
skill set. And I think, interestingly enough, I have more of a formal education background than I do code. So I was studying education in college. My school only had a minor, not a major. And so I was doing that before leaving school. And so I was doing my internship semester and all that for for teaching. And then this code thing kind of happened and took me away from that. But it's really cool to be back in that world in just a different way. Yeah, the code thing happens to a lot of us. <laughs> um, yeah, code just happened. For some reason, it just like draws people because it's so cool and so fun. Um, but yes, the teaching side of things is is really interesting to me as well. And it, it's it's a, a total challenge. I, I love how you compared it to um, with like teaching or um, with, with coding where we know that the computer is going to do what we tell it to do. Uh, we may be like, if it's not working, it's because we're telling it to do the wrong thing, right? Um, whereas with people, it is a lot more nuanced and complex. Um, so I, one thing that I find interesting is that um, we have a, actually a lot of teachers. There are a lot of people writing blogs and recording videos and doing all of this stuff. And lots of their instruction is overlapping. Um, whether like, you know, some people have slightly different opinions about how to do certain things. But I, I think if you were to accumulate all of the instruction in the world, you would probably cover pretty much like everything multiple times. Um, so why like why don't we just have one person or a small group of people just doing all of the teaching for us so that we can all save time on um, on this teaching thing? Like why why is it um, useful? to have everybody doing all of this teaching? Yeah, I think for a couple of reasons. So the first one is that everybody has a slightly different perspective on what they're teaching. And so it's going to appeal to different learners or be interesting to different people. So my big example of this is that I wrote a React tutorial last summer. So by the time that last summer came around, there's probably a million React tutorials out there that yeah. existed. And it's still my most read blog post just because I came at it in a really, really different direction than a lot of other people have. And so I just thought about React in kind of this slightly different way than I think it's been taught in the past. And so that really struck a chord with people and like, I think over 100,000 people have read that article. And so seeing that is really, really cool. And it's something that's been done before. It's not this revolutionary concept that I'm teaching React and nobody's taught React before. But just coming at it from a certain angle is going to appeal to a different set of learners. The other part of it is that teaching actually really helps the teacher too, not just the student. And so I think a lot of people come to me when they're starting to blog and they're like, nobody's reading my stuff. Why should I even do this? Hmm. And when I started read, writing my blog post, nobody was reading it. Like, I don't even think my parents were reading my blog post. <laughs> <laughs> we're totally just on Medium getting read by absolutely nobody. I think they got the maximum one got like seven reads on it. Hmm. And the thing is, though, that having that goal for myself of writing these blog posts was making me code more outside of work. And it was mm -hmm. making learn new things and come at things from different angles and really explain them. If you know something well enough to teach it, you really know that thing because people are going to come at you with different questions from different angles, are going to understand things differently than you. And so I think that 
even if you're not helping anybody else that's out there, even if you're the only person that only ever reads your blog posts, you're still bolstering your own knowledge and helping yourself to more fully understand that topic. So it's still important, even if you're not reaching a big audience. Yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, that resonates with me so well. Because um, people will ask me to like, nobody's reading my stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's how it starts. Like, nobody reads your stuff. Like, there, there's no real secret sauce to how to get 100,000 people reading a blog post. Um, lots of it has to do with consistency. Uh, and sometimes you do nail those those blog posts really well that that do end up getting a lot of attention. Um, but there's there's no like get rich quick scheme around uh, getting a lot of people, a lot of attention on the stuff you're creating. So there there has to be some other motive. And I think that you nailed it on the head. That motive is like, uh, it makes you a better uh, programmer to to try and explain and teach these things. Um, so, and uh, another thing that you said that kind of um, made me think of of something was uh, there. There is a like, you know, you, we have food courts in uh, malls, right? And there are lots of different options there. They're all like serving the same thing. Ultimately, they're like the idea is: I am hungry. I need to eat. Um, everybody feels that around lunchtime or, you know, during the day. And, um, and we have multiple options. So even though there were already many React tutorials out there, um, you were able to uh, serve over 100,000 people uh, this React food. Um, and, uh, and people, it resonated with people. So uh, it doesn't matter how many uh, existing tutorials there are out there. Um, adding your voice to uh, that world of tutorials um, can only be a good thing in reaching uh, people. Those 100,000 people, maybe they read other tutorials and maybe some your tutorial resonated better or not as good as other tutorials. And that's just the, the way that it works. Um, there are so many different people in this world that uh, resonate with, with different styles of teaching and different ways of explaining things. Um, that will never reach the end uh, where we say, oh, we've got enough teachers in this world. We don't need you to, to come in because there will always be room for people uh, to be teaching. Yeah, definitely. I think that there's also even more accessible ways to teach than writing a blog post. Like writing a blog post is a very accessible way to mm. teach, but you can also answer questions on Stack Overflow or tweet something helpful out or answer somebody's question on a Slack group that you're in. All these are forms of teaching, even though they aren't necessarily recognized that way by a lot of people, you're still helping somebody to learn something. And so you don't have to change your life and become a once a week blogger just because <laughs> you're helping somebody teach a little bit. I think that making it more accessible and just starting small is something that everybody can kind of grow from. Yeah, I totally agree. And, that, and you can take those uh, things as opportunities to build um, more and more content out of. So like somebody asks you a question on Slack, you say, uh, I, I could write a, a paragraph answer here, or I could just put that answer in a blog post and then link you to that. Uh, and then lots of more people are benefiting from that. that. That's another thing is like people think that blog posts have to be this, you know, weeks of research you know, 30 paragraphs long, uh, whatever, 
lots of my blog posts are just a couple paragraphs and and those are really valuable so if it's going to be valuable to the person you're responding to on slack or in stack overflow it'll probably be like really useful to other people as well and so you can turn those into opportunities to teach uh, and like you said it's not just blogging um, but you could also like i i've done a lot of um videos on youtube where i'll, I'll use that as a form to answer somebody's question and like it's really easy just spin up quick time record your screen whatever and get it on youtube Lots of different ways ways to teach. Uh, what, so one thing that I want to make sure um, that like we talk about a little bit is, um, is this particular episode of this show um, just for the teachers in the world? Or like, how does this apply to people who um, may not be teachers? Maybe they want to be or maybe they don't want to be. How does this apply to kind of the general populace? Yeah, so I think that for anybody taking some sort of step to teach something helps so much for your career. So, and there's a lot of perspectives on that. We talked about understanding something fully in order to teach it and strengthening your own knowledge by teaching something, but it's also a great way to get involved with the developer community in general. Up until maybe a year, year and a half ago, I wasn't really that involved in the developer community. I was just like a normal software engineer writing code, wasn't really on Twitter, wasn't really on, writing blog posts or anything like that. But mm. then I started speaking at stuff, uh, volunteering, and even just at these community events where you're volunteering teaching three people Jingo or something along those lines, you're still making a pretty big impact on those people. You're helping mm. yourself to really know that you're knowing what you're talking about and you're able to communicate that, but you're also helping them either become developers or strengthen their development workflow or something along those lines. So helping you to fully understand what's going on and then also helping those people. And I think that also the more that I teach, the lower my imposter syndrome is too. Hmm. Because I am kind of showing myself that I really do know something from a lot of different angles. And, you know, it's still sometimes surprising when you post a blog post out there and nobody comes at you with, you've got this technical detail wrong or <laughs> yeah. something's off. Like if that doesn't happen, it's almost more surprising than it, it happening. But it's a really <laughs> yeah. feeling when it doesn't happen and you're like, wow, okay, maybe I do really, really know this. I don't know. Mm, yeah, I, I definitely still get those uh, corrections on my blog posts and stuff, which is nice that my uh, my blog is a Git repo and I get pull requests all the time um, for stuff because, <laughs> yeah, I, I do make mistakes myself. But, um, yeah, I I, um, I totally agree with that. I think that's um, uh, it's important to recognize that uh, teaching isn't just reserved for the teachers um, and that you can make an impact. and. In addition, I feel like um, like another good reason to teach, at least that's uh, worked out pretty well for me, is that it gives you um, some job security, honestly. Um, and so like it, it may seem like, oh, you know, you don't need a following like that's gross or whatever. But um, at, at this point, because um, I've worked on my following and, and you as well, if we were to go and say, you know what, I want to change my job. We could just literally tweet, hey, I want a new job. And beca uh, because we've established um, this idea that we know what we're talking about, 
um, through all of the the teaching and content that we've uh, produced, we've um, people would say, yeah, and that's you sound like the type of person we'd want, uh, and and we'd have people who could actually see the tweet, um, and so um, that for me that's been another like a- after a while I started to think about um, developing a following and, and uh, teaching as a um, mechanism for securing uh, financial stability for my family. Um, and so that is like, if um, you listener are in a situation where like, ah, I'm not sure I want to teach. I think we, Ali and I have given you several good reasons. So, you know, it helps yourself. It helps other people. It improves your job security. Um, it, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good, uh, good thing to do, I think. And it's fun. Yeah. I totally, totally agree with that. It's almost an insurance policy in some ways, mm. having that following that you can tweet something out. It, it's really cool, especially if you're part of an underrepresented group in tech because of all the wildness that can go on with that. It mm. is a really great insurance policy for that. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's one thing. I don't know if you want to get into this at all, but um, I, as a heterosexual white male, am just like super privileged. I, I don't uh, you know, sometimes I, I feel like I have to prove myself a little bit to some people, but I, I feel like um, the women that I know have um, have that kind of hanging over the heads all the time with lots of the things that, that you all produce. Do you want to talk about that at all? Or would you like me to edit this part out? <laughs> yeah, no, we can talk about that. Yeah, it's definitely always a roller coaster. And I think being online brings up a whole nother level to it just because in person it's usually a little bit more subtle but online I think one of my favorite parts about it and it's kind of sad to say it is that you have screenshots and so instead of it being this subtle thing that you can address but can't really pinpoint and can't really call out like online you really can because you do have those receipts and so Mm. that's something that has been interesting for me to navigate. I think at first, honestly, I didn't really have any issues until I was a little bit bigger. So this summer I had my first adventure with the internet people when one of my blog posts got posted on Reddit. Somebody posted it there and it kind of did really, really well on Reddit, which is a blessing and a curse blessing in that a bunch of people are reading your blog posts and that's that's cool to see but a curse in that you get the people who don't want you to succeed at all and Mm. so that was definitely my first foray into it and it was kind of wild because it was a bunch a bunch a bunch of toxicity at once so instead of it being one passing comment or anything like that it was like 50 just all at the once so that was definitely Mm. an adventure but I reached out to some other women in tech to see what they did when they dealt with certain things and got a bunch of different answers. And over that time, have kind of developed my way of handling it. So 99% of the time, I just ignore stuff. Mostly mm-hmm. because it's just not worth the effort to respond. Yeah, they, they don't deserve your keystrokes, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's exhausting to deal with it. And the fallout from it, too... I mean, it's so nice to have all these people reaching out, like I support you and stuff like that. But even that's a lot to navigate through. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it is awesome though to have that. Um, but I sometimes will use it as an education opportunity if I am in a great mood and feel like very up to dealing with all the drama that will fall out. <laughs> and so 
sometimes I will try to, you know, bring my educator perspective into things and try to tell people why something's wrong. And usually it won't work for that person themselves because they get into a defensive place and they're not going to learn from it. But if other people on looking to some extent learn from it, then that makes it worth it to me because so many more people are going to be positively impacted by that than that one person anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you do such a fantastic job at this. And I, I feel like it's unfortunate, but the fact is that people come into the, like people are coming into this industry all the time and they have not yet been initiated into what um, appropriate behavior for a human being, I guess, is. <laughs> um, and uh, and so it, it's kind of a constant battle. But um, I I see it sort of changing over time, but it's still it's it's a long battle. So what are some specific um, pieces of advice uh, that you have for underrepresented people or uh, people who um, have to fight against this stigma that they, you know, you know that they kind of have to prove themselves that they actually know what they're talking about. What are, what are some things that you'd give them as pieces of ed- advice as they start uh, producing content like this? Yeah. So first things first, I actually think that it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I think when I had like a hundred Twitter followers and wasn't really involved in the developer community, I thought that if I started writing blog posts, it was just going to be a dumpster fire from the onset, which it Mm. really wasn't at all. And the few pockets of negativity, they've been pockets, they've been isolated, and they've been bad at that moment. But outside of that, it honestly hasn't been that, that bad. And so that would be my first prefacing of all of this, that it's probably... I don't want to scare people away from doing this because they see what has happened to me in some contexts. But so I just want to frame it like it's not maybe as bad as you think it may be to get involved mm. in this online stuff. Um, that being said, I think that even getting involved in this stuff, you're really proving your expertise and your knowledge on stuff. And so it can actually really help in that way too, that people see you as an expert on something. I think that some of my examples are kind of funny because my blog started off writing about stuff that I knew nothing about. So I was taking technologies that I did not know at all, was learning them in a week, building an app with them and writing a blog post on them. Mm. And people still think that I'm like an expert on these things. And I'm like, no, like I just learned this for this blog post. And so for example, I've been asked to talk now worldwide about augmented reality and JavaScript. And what I did was rebuild Snapchat's filters in a JavaScript app. And I did that in a couple hours. And now people think I'm like this expert on augmented reality and JavaScript, which is so cool. And I've kind of had to become one because of talking about it. But Outside of that, it's not something that, you know, I work in on a day-to-day basis or anything like that. It's just that I've built up this expertise based off of the blog post. Hmm. No, that's that's such a great insight. So, like, would you suggest to people that if you want to learn something, um, force yourself to learn it by teaching or, like, scheduling yourself to teach it? I think in some ways it was really, really helpful for me. The challenge that I had set out for myself was completely unsustainable and is not something that I could actually do. But having that challenge there and even failing at that challenge is still better than what I would have done if I didn't set that challenge up for myself. So building a new 
app every week with a new technology and writing a blog post on it was not something that I could do on top of working a full-time job and giving talks and being involved in the community otherwise. But it did make me learn all these different things and it did set me up to start writing blog posts. And so it's been really helpful, even though I didn't achieve that initial goal. Hmm. Yeah, that um, that's very interesting. I So one of the things that I wanted to uh, to call out as well was um, the um, what is what, the curse of wisdom? What What is that? There's that phrase like the curse of the, the curse of um experience or something like that where like once you uh, i i heard it once that the um once you learn functional programming you um stop being able to teach it <laughs> or something <laughs> like that um because all the jargon i think is what the reference was but um yeah one thing that i think would be useful to talk about just a little bit as we get toward the end here is um the value of having somebody who's new um to actually be the one doing the teaching because they're still kind of in that mindset of a, a newbie. Uh, do you have thoughts about that? Oh, totally. So first off, I'll say that I am not this like 20 year programmer or anything like that. I have been coding period for I think around six years and professionally for like five. So I'm not somebody who's been doing this for a million years, even just me saying that. So hmm. Um, I think that being closer to that learning does give me an interesting perspective. But when I was teaching, a lot of times we would have a student from a previous cohort teaching the class that I was currently teaching. And I feel like I got so much from the way that they would teach stuff as somebody who just learned it. And so many different teaching tips and strategies for teaching coming from that. And learning what they thought was difficult when they were learning it and how they would have done it differently. So having that kind of immediate feed feedback loop of a previous student now becoming one of my co-instructors was really, really cool. And they could teach some things really, really well as well. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. That's fantastic. Um, so the, we've talked a lot about um, teaching and how great it is. And um, and we've talked a little bit about the forms of teaching. Can Can you like give us a list of all the different ways that people can jump into this teaching realm? Yeah, so there's probably more than I can even think of, but I think from least accessible to most accessible. So least accessible would probably be becoming a college professor, which is a way to teach. Hmm. Then from there, becoming a boot camp instructor because it's a full-time job. But then becoming more accessible you can start blogging, you can start uh, filming YouTube videos, you can start trying to apply for conference talks or meetups in your area. You can um, just try to mentor somebody at work. So if there's a new developer or even somebody who's more experienced but you're more experienced in a different topic, teaching each other what you know. I think that that's really effective or just a friend on on wherever you're at as well. That could be really effective. And then the most accessible ways would be participating in developer discussions, tweeting th about things that you know, uh, answering people's questions on Twitter. If you follow like the Code Newbie hashtag, there are just endless questions about code stuff. So you could answer those. You could do Stack mm -hmm. Overflow participate in conversations on dev 
all of those places, even though they're smaller chunks of participating in teaching, they're still teaching and can have a huge impact on somebody. Yeah, that uh, I that's one of the things that I love about this is there are so many different learners and there are so many different teachers and we have enough mechanisms for uh, distributing knowledge um, that matches for anybody's teaching and learning style, uh, which is pretty cool. So, um, yeah, as, as we wrap up here, is there any like last um, things that you uh, kind of want to uh, close with to um, as an encouragement for people or, or giving them tools or anything? Yeah, I would say to just do it. Like, I think writing a blog post is the happy medium we've talked about through this conversation where it's a big enough impact that it really can help somebody, but it's also not changing your career or anything like that. So my challenge would be to write a blog post and Pressing publish is by far the hardest part of writing a blog post, at least at first. It's hard mm. to gather the information about it and all that, but then actually just getting to a point where you're happy enough with it and pressing publish is often the hardest part. But don't let the voices in your head telling you not to do it, tell you not to do it, because even if you're just the one benefiting from that blog post, you're still going to help somebody out there even if it's just you. And so it's worth it to do it. And you can start really building something with that blog post. Your first one, probably not going to be perfect, probably not going to get a million readers, but it's a start and it's a way to get involved in the community. So that would be my kind of takeaway. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ali. Um, so just as we close up, what is the best way for people to reach out to you and connect yeah. with you? For sure. So you can read all my blog posts on Dev2, so Dev2 Spittle, And then Twitter is my other place that I spend time. And so I'm Spittle on there as well. Great. And we'll have links to that in the show notes. So Ali, thank you. It was a pleasure. This is the first time we've been able to chat um, in real time like this. So it's been a pleasure to, to talk with you. Um, and I hope that everybody um, goes out and writes blog posts or does whatever teaching thing that they want to do. Um, and I appreciate your insights um, on the podcast. So um, with that, we will say goodbye. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Bye.